Let's pray. Lord, as you exhorted the crowds in verse 8, that he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Lord, that is the basis for our prayer. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that are receptive to your word. Lord, may we be not only hearers, but doers of your word. By the power of your spirit at work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. At a previous church, a wife found recipients uh, from a gentleman's club in her husband's pocket. So she came and told me. She did not want me to confront him uh, because she wanted to do that um, with him in private. She thought that that would be the best way that he would receive what he needed to hear. But she did want me to talk to him about his spiritual life. So I met with him to talk. uh, But every time I would bring up his spiritual life, all he wanted to talk about was the glories of Reformed theology and the latest theological controversies. And I had this strange sense that he was not trying to avoid talk about a spiritual life. Rather, he just so loved the topic of Reformed theology that that's all he was interested in. And I was reminded of a quote by A.W. Tozer. Theology of whatever kind is worthless and useless unless it is obeyed. There are many people in the church that disconnect their mental assent to facts about the gospel from their life. They confess their faith in Jesus Christ, but their life does not display a heart that desires to be obedient to Him. John MacArthur says, we must clearly and forcefully counter the deception and the delusion that knowing and accepting the truth about Christ is equivalent to having saving faith in Him. In our passage, our Lord Jesus very clearly and very forcefully counters this exact deception and delusion. Last week we were looking at the parable of the sower. You may not have realized it, but in verses 16 through 18, Jesus is continuing to explain to his disciples the meaning of the parable of the sower. And remember the big point of the parable uh, of the sower was to be careful how you hear the Word of God. I'm glad that Jesus was continuing on on this subject because last week... I felt like I had a little time to go through the the parable of the sower. I wanted to hit every point. But where I really wanted to do was bring forward as forcefully as I could by God's Spirit and with God's help uh, this exhortation to be careful hearers of God's Word. In fact, I, I thought I was getting sick near the end of the service because I was starting to lose my voice. Um, and I blamed my wife because <laughs> she was homesick. But it turns out I was, I was so eager 
to, to get that point across. And uh, looking back over it this week, I felt like I was swinging a, a, a big um, sledgehammer uh, in the pulpit last, last week, wanting you to hear uh, carefully God's Word. And uh, this week, God has given me another opportunity to um, preach on this subject, and I am glad in His providence I get to do that. So this theme persists in our sermon this morning, Uh, this theme of be careful how you hear the Word. So look at verse 18 and also verse 21. Jesus says in verse 18, Take care then how you hear, for from the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Or again, verse 21, But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So with that, as I urged you last Sunday, so I urge you again this week, earnestly ask God to soften your heart this morning so that you may take in Christ's Word. Frankly, asking God to soften your heart to receive and respond to His Word every time you open the Scriptures is an essential task in being Uh, or in taking care how you hear. In your daily Bible reading, ask God to soften your heart that His Word might penetrate your heart and your conscience down into your soul. Ask God to soften your heart that you might put His Word into practice. It's His Word. We rely on Him to reveal it to us by His Spirit. Ask Him for help. It's a good practice. It's an essential practice. If you're going to be careful how you hear. In our text, Jesus mixes metaphors. Instead of talking about a person with a receptive heart as good soil, as He did in the parable of the sower, He now talks about the person with a receptive heart, he talks about that person as a lamp. So instead of that person being good soil, they're now a lamp. Verses 16 and 17. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not become known and come to light. He's talking about people who have received the Word of God and who have put it into practice. And because they are putting the Word of God into practice, then their life is visible The grace of God in their life is visible for all to see. In the parallel passage in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus makes this very clear. And you're familiar with this passage, I'm sure. 
uh, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Did you hear what the Lord Jesus said? So that they may see, talking about the world, talking about unbelievers, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So a careful hearer of God's word is one who puts God's word into practice. There's no true hearing. There is no careful hearing of God's Word unless it is operating in your life. Remember James uh, chapter 1, verses 22 through 25? James says, Be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. If you're just a hearer, you're deceiving yourself. If you've deceived yourself, who is there left to deceive? The deception's complete. It's easy to deceive others. You can even deceive your spouse and your children. But when you have deceived yourself, the deception's complete. And James goes on, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So Jesus is saying that a hearer who does not put his, God's word into practice is like a person who lights a lamp and then goes and puts it in a jar or puts it underneath the bed. It would be like fixing a dinner but then dumping the, the dinner in the garbage without eating it. Who would do that? Or it's like buying a brand new sports car putting it in the garage, and never, ever driving it. Who would do that? Jesus says, we are to be spiritually fruitful. We are to put God's Word into practice so that it can be seen by everybody, so that we can be a witness for God, so that unbelievers might see our good works and give praise to God. So our Lord is asking us, when you hear the Word of God, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to put it into practice? Or are you going to put it in a a jar or under a bed? In other words, are you going to forget about it? Is it not going to be useful in your life because you failed to put it into practice? He's saying that, but he's saying more than that. The Word of God should be put into practice for the benefit of other people. He says, again, verse 16, so that those who enter 
may see the light. Or again, as Jesus said in Matthew 5, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You are to put God's Word into practice so that you can shine for Jesus as His witnesses. Now, it's tempting to have the mindset that being a witness for Christ is optional. You may have even thought, hey, I put money in the offering plate so that we can pay a pastor so that he can be the witness for Jesus. And I don't have to. Our Lord wants every one of us to shine for Jesus. He wants the world to see the life-transforming power of the gospel embodied in each one of His disciples. Because people outside of Christ are spiritually dead, they're dwelling in darkness. Our witness of Christ in our words and in our deeds confront their spiritual darkness by our good works done for the glory of God, driven by our faith and our love for Christ, we confront darkness just by our lifestyle. We act as a light in a very dark room or a very dark world. Christ uses us to drive back the darkness in our culture to drive back the darkness in unbelievers' lives. Listen to Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15. The Apostle Paul says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. God uses us to drive back the darkness. And verse 17 actually goes goes even further. Verse 17 means that um, the godliness and, and spiritual fruitfulness of our lives should expose false Christians for what they are. Again, the Lord Jesus, the reason He's saying this is the crowds have have uh, gathered round him, that the crowds are bigger than at any point in his ministry. Some, some commentators are saying 20,000 people had gathered to hear him preach. In the parallel passage in Mark, Jesus had to go out into a boat and use the, the water as an acoustic aid so that his voice would ricochet off the water to a bigger crowd. The crowds were that big. And the crowds were coming to investigate, to taste, and to see the the miracles of Jesus. But they weren't really uh, listening to his message. Give us more of the miracles. Or John chapter 6, give us more bread to eat. And Jesus is saying, don't... Listen uh, with indifference. Don't listen carelessly. Listen, be careful how you hear. And he's telling, as he's explaining to his disciples, how you live 
will expose those around you if they are saying, yeah, I, you know, Lord, Lord, but are not really following them. They'll see by the lives of the disciples that um, the false Christians, it'll, it'll expose um, their lives for what it is. Again, verse 17, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. God uses us as instruments of His judgment. Our lives are used by God to expose ungodly lives. The ungodly world, as much as they say they don't like Christ, they see a difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. And this is very encouraging to me because I see in verses 16 and 17 a promise of effectiveness. If we are shining for Jesus, God will use us as His witnesses even if we don't see the results. But it also cuts both ways. If we are not putting the Word of God into practice, if we are simply hearing only, then we too will be exposed as being spiritual frauds. Your life is under the all-seeing eye of God. Nothing is hidden or is secret before Him. Even if we are able to fool, to fool the whole world, we all are going to have to stand before Christ on the judgment day. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And so this is what the Lord Jesus is saying in verse 17. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So there will be a judgment. But the judgment doesn't wait for the judgment day. The judgment begins now. And this is what Jesus is telling us in verse 18. So look at verse 18. Take care then how you hear, for the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has, will be taken away. For the one who is, is not taking care how he or she hears, even what that person thinks that they have gained spiritually will be taken away. This is Jesus' way of restating what we saw last week in verse 12. Verse 12 in the parable of the uh, sower. The, one, the ones along the path are those who have heard then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. As I said last week, these are not people who are living in open rebellion or open hostility to the word of God. These are people he's talking about in the parable of the sowers who confess to believe the scriptures. They confess Jesus as their savior but they live indifferently to God's Word. They do not obey. They do not put God's Word into practice. The Word does not penetrate their heart or their conscience. So then God 
allow Satan to work against you as part of his judgment. Isn't that scary? You don't want to to let the Word have a transforming place in your life? Then God says, that's fine. Let me help you in your indifference to the Word by allowing Satan to take it away. That's why he says, verse 18, Take care then how you hear. But for you who are taking care how you hear, God promises to increase your ability to grow in grace. When you put the Word of God into practice, you shine more brightly for Jesus. Let me encourage you. Every time you read the Scriptures, consider specific ways that you can put the Word to work in your life that day. God promises to increase your faith and grow you up in His grace by reading His Word and putting it into practice. Isn't that encouraging? Sometimes we read the Word and we feel like we're not going anywhere, we're spinning our wheels, and we start treating our Bible reading as just a box to be checked off, a discipline to be, to be um, practiced. But God is promising right here in verse 18 that to the one who has, more will be given. You start putting the Word of God into practice in your life, And you will grow in grace, even if you can't see it immediately in your life. Romans 10, verse 17. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. As you start to put God's Word into practice, your faith grows. And as your faith grows, you start putting God's Word into Uh, more practice. And as you start putting God's Word into more practice, you start growing in your faith. And your Christian life starts growing upward and outward. You start blossoming for Jesus. Do you want to grow as a Christian? The best way, really the only way, is to put the Word of God into practice in your life. Moving along to verses 19 through 21. Verses 19 through 21. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. So this is the same time frame. Jesus has walked away maybe from the crowd to teach his disciples, but the 20,000 or however many thousand that were gathered there, his family, his mother and brothers couldn't reach him And so someone sent word to him, and it says, Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them as an object lesson to his disciples. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it and put it into practice. We know from John chapter 7 verse 5 that his brothers had not yet come to trust in him. I think, of course, Mary 
was trusting in, in the Lord Jesus. But she's probably been listening to her sons, gotten carried away. They come to see Jesus. In fact, in Mark chapter 3, verse 21, parallel to this passage, um, it says that they actually came to seize him. For they were saying, his brothers were saying, he is out of his mind. They're thinking he was crazy, in other words. There's a lot that could be said here about what it means to be in God's family or about the priority of our relationship to Christ above all other uh, earthly relationships. But Luke's going to give us an opportunity to explore all that at the end of Luke 14. So we're going to wait. We're going to put that to the side. I simply want to move um, to the last verse, verse 21, where Jesus says, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Jesus is not saying that you can merit God's approval by your obedience. You have a small view of God if you think that you can meet God's standards of righteousness by your imperfect obedience. Maybe you have an exalted view of your abilities. Either way, it is impossible for you and your obedience to merit God's favor or approval. That's just an impossibility. But what Jesus is doing here is he is saying that, well, he's concerned for you to determine whether you have a living faith or a useless faith. That's what he means here about those who hear the word of God and do it are my mother and my brothers. As James chapter 2 verse 26 says, As the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Nominal Christianity. Christianity by profession only is very likely the most prevalent expression of Christianity in in America. Uh, Broadly evangelical denominations, charismatic denominations, non-denominational denominations, Roman Catholic churches, strongly conservative reformed denominations, the PCA, um, all have nominal Christians on its membership rolls. All have nominal Christians sitting in the pews week after weeks. Uh, there are likely nominal Christians here this morning on our membership rolls, sitting here in the pews. Jesus described nominal Christians in Luke 6.46 when he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? And then he continued on a couple of verses later. The one who hears my word and does not do them is like a man who built his house on a ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. This is Jesus' way of asking you, is your faith real? Have you really entrusted yourself to him? Or are you the Lord of your life? Are you merely posing as a disciple? Or are you a real follower of Jesus? Are you simply assenting uh, to propositions about Jesus? Or have you committed yourself personally to Him? 
God's Word calls you to be forgiving. So are you forgiving? Are you putting His Word into practice? God call, God's Word calls you to turn away from sin. So are you putting His Word into practice? Are you repenting? God's Word calls you to follow His Word, to obey Him. So are you seeking to obey Him? God's Word calls you to date or marry only Christians. Are you seeking to only have Christian relationships? And we could go on and on. Are you see- the Word of God calls us to be generous towards those who need mercy. Are you merciful? Are you putting the Word of God into practice? In other words, is your faith real? If you find yourself realizing that your faith is not real, please hear me. Because this is a very important point. Jesus is not telling you to reach down deep inside yourself and with monumental effort try to do what Jesus says. In other words, you're not obeying so you just think, I'll fix this, I'll pull myself up by my bootstraps, I will start obeying Him. That's not what Jesus is saying. You do not have it within yourself to conjure up that kind of spiritual power to bring forth obedience. I don't have it within me. Nobody in this room has it within themselves to obey God only in their own resources, only in their own power and might. Listen to John, listen to Jesus in John 15 verse 5. He says, "I am the true vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing." You come to Jesus Christ without qualifications, without equivocation, and He will begin transforming your life. He will start empowering you for obedience. He will transform you. He will make you into a new creation. He will give you desires to obey and serve Him. It is His work in you that makes the difference, not your own work in yourself. Or as Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works which Christ um, has, or, um, for which Christ has called us to himself. Or however way I'm butchering that last part of the, the, the passage. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Remember that. That's biblical. However else I said at the end of the the verse, disregard it. Simply come to Him. Entrust yourself to Him. Turn from self-rule in order to be ruled by Christ. This is trust in Christ. You adhere to Him. You stick with Him. You rely on Him. You listen to His Word. You believe His Word. And you just and you trust him. He will save you. Finally, for those of you who follow Christ without qualification or without condition. You who trust him with all your heart. It's easy to allow patterns of sin and self to develop in your life. And everybody else is doing it, right? Nobody's called you out on it. The word of God calls you out. So repent, 
Recommit yourself to Christ. Pursue holiness by the power of Christ's Christ's Spirit. Seek spiritual fruitfulness. Christ's Spirit will produce it in you. He forgives you of your sins, all your sins, past, present, future. He gives you His Spirit. He makes you into a new creation. He empowers you daily by His Spirit. He gives you His Word. Are you recommitting yourself to Christ as His follower? Are you pursuing holiness because He is holy and you know that pleases Him? Are you pursuing holiness because he, you know that He is at work in you? That you are God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works so that people can see the good works in you and give glory to your God in heaven? <coughs> are you willing to let sin live in your life? Or are you a hearer that practices God's Word by God's grace as we pray together? Lord Jesus, I do ask that You would give us all ears to hear, all hearts to believe and to obey by putting Your Word into practice because we trust in You You are such a good Savior. You are so trustworthy. Lord, I pray that we would be a hearing and a doing people for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.